Hello, and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, author and playwright Mark Anthony Rossi. This show explores all forms of creativity for those searching for meaning and a place in the world. To err is human, but so is to love. Now, without further ado, here's your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet, playwright, author, and, of course, host of this show, Strength to be Human. We're doing the, the last of the series of particular instruments, and this one is uh, Animals as Characters, okay? Episode number 122. We're in the month of April here. Excited to be back with everyone here. As we all know, we're still dealing with this uh, this corona crisis, and everybody's trying to you know, stay safe and, of course, uh, stay uh, alert and, of course, uh, stay, you know, as active as possible. So uh, one of the great things about the uh, podcast is it, you know, really allows us to, to communicate with each other as well as listening to something that would be interesting and maybe sell your, your creative juices. I've heard from a number of people that don't feel as creative because they're indoors too much. But I think that this might be a good chance for us maybe just to you know, try to relax and maybe give it a, a rest. No no one says that uh, not writing for a while is a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good way to recharge your uh, your energy and, and your batteries and, and maybe even some of your creative direction. So why not do that? I mean, I took a couple of days off and I came back strong. So you could do the same. All right. Uh, let's talk about the animals as characters. Now, like the other two shows where we had houses as characters and ghosts as characters, the author is trying to use something non-human in order to get across certain points. Certain points that maybe the author didn't want to get themselves boxed into, or maybe just because they believe these non-human entities can relay that message a, a lot better. Or maybe also because it's nice to have a non-human character to be able to get things done. It, it kind of mixes it up a bit and, and, and lets you stay uh, creatively you know, focused on what you're trying to do rather than just a bunch of humans gabbing and stabbing each other and, you know, screaming and everything else. Now, animals are particularly different than the ghosts in the house because if you think about it, um, animals are more three-dimensional in that situation. I mean, a house is really not. It's just a just damn house. And it's flat. You know, and of course, ghosts, I mean, we don't know what dimension they're from, but they're not exactly something that you can grasp onto and that really are tangible. I mean, they could disappear in, you know, in a heartbeat where an animal, I think, in many instances, uh, becomes that thing that becomes familiar to us. You know, I mean, I know we're not familiar with a cat start talking to us or a pig, you know, waxing philosophy, but nevertheless, we're a lot more, I, I, I think, familiar with an animal than we are with a ghost or a creepy house that makes noises and does weird things to your life, okay? So because of that, oftentimes they are more inviting into our conscience, into our home. Sometimes even there are stories, even if they're adult stories, uh, an animal can be a, a good way to help introduce a, a young adult to, to reading or maybe even a, a child, as long as it's not a, a graphic book. And that's a great way, too, to, to be able to share with, with your family or, or with your children, you know, a, a book. I mean, if you think about it, Moby Dick, and we're going to talk about Moby Dick in the show, all right, is really an adult book. 
there's not really any uh, cursing going on or sex or crazy stuff, but it is an adult book, but you could share that with your child. I mean, you know, we're trying to hunt this whale. He's got all these issues. And so it, it becomes interesting that you could do that. It's the same thing with, you know, White Fang, the wolf and uh, Jack London's book. So again, these adult books, but you can, you can share them with children and, and, and teenagers. So that, that's another thing that you really can't do as much with a horror movie, excuse me, a horror story. You know, creepy house, killing people, or even uh, a, a ghost one, which you might not be able to share as much with kids because, you know, that that could interrupt their, you know, their sleeping, their dreams, and you know, might have an effect on that might not always be positive. You know, an animal that's different. You know, everybody thinks an animal talking or doing things uh, intelligently uh, is cute. So that's another interesting angle to it. Okay, so let's let's go into this. Okay, now. Please keep in mind, folks, before I get some crazy email, all right, that there's probably a billion animals as characters out there, okay? So if I'm not talking about Tigger or Winnie the Pooh, don't get mad, all right, because I don't care about those characters. That's the only reason. Not that they're not relevant. It just doesn't strike me as that that interesting. There's probably plenty more out there, too, all right? So I'm only going to bring the ones that I really found a personal connection to that I can get an angle to because, remember, I'm the host here. I got to be able to put this out to you. So yeah, I can't sell it to you if I don't believe it. So that's why you do that. So I'm sure I'm going to miss a lot of animals. You know, just chalk it up to what I just told you, the truth. All right. All right. First one here. And I remember this first one because I read um, the all seven books of the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis when I was a child. Which uh, I just celebrated my 55th birthday a few days ago. So, Lord. I know, it seems like a lifetime ago, but I remember the uh, the lion in it, Aslan, and it's incredible um, how Aslan is wise and, and patient and, of course, brave, and, and it's obvious to me because that book you can read on many different levels, that's what's so incredible about that book, it is like a Christ figure in that book. It is really a metaphor for a savior in, in, in a type of a Garden of Eden, only animals are talking, all right, with people, So and of course, Aslan is talking too. To a bunch of kids and doing battles and all that sort of stuff. So there's a perfect animal that you can get across, uh, uh, which um, CS Lewis is trying to do, you know, a spiritual message without making it into a just another dude with sandals and, and, and a cool robe on, you know, breaking bread and, you know, talking about, uh, you know, the afterlife. I mean, it, it makes it, I, I feel in many ways, uh, a, a deeper meaning and, and certainly a more entertaining uh, figure Aslan the uh, the beautiful lion uh, than um, than anything else you can do so it, it works out for a perfect uh, you know uh, metaphor for what he was trying to do and it really carries that story for a couple books and you know into it uh, eventually uh, you know Aslan's gone but you know he's around for a couple books and uh, if you've seen any of the movies he did a fine job of uh, recreating them and, and and really getting the gist of that of that um, of that book so I'm really happy with that all right, next, another one from my, uh, definitely from my childhood, which I always remembered. I know it's going to seem corny, and uh, and a lot of people remember the cartoon they did of this, which I thought was uh, was pretty faithful to the book, actually. But um, Charlotte's Web. All right, uh, you got um, Charlotte, uh, the, uh, the, the mother spider, okay, who um, imparts some serious lessons about nature and, and, you know, <laughs> and, and how it can be cruel and unfair at times. Uh, and of course, uh, Wilbur the pig, who is um, not too clever and uh, pretty naive, 
which of course is counter to what I'm, I'm told about pigs. They said that they're super smart. I don't know. Maybe if I eat some more sausages, I'll get smarter. I don't know. But maybe it's just difficult for us to look at some pig that's ugly and dirty as being intelligent. But apparently they are. But in this story, uh, Wilbur is not too sharp. But Wilbur has a great heart and, and, and is a decent uh, and, and moral creature. And it does the right thing there. Um, protecting um, uh, Charlotte. Uh, because uh, Charlotte wrote messages to try to protect Wilbur from being slaughtered. And of course, later on, Wilbur returns a favor by uh, protecting all of um, Charlotte's babies in a big egg sack. I think it was like over 500 babies or something. Man, them spiders, they don't know how to, they know how to reproduce. Anyway, it's, it's a hell of a story. Good for kids. But of course, it had a lot of, uh, a lot of moral truths in it. And even to this day, I, I, I find it as one of the more entertaining and, and wise choices for uh, using animals as characters. So, a fine job there. All right. Many people don't remember as much about the um, Harry Potter books because they're so captivated by the movies. Now, don't get me wrong. The movies did a pretty good job of capturing the book, but they left a lot of things out. Not so much that the story is ruined because it's not, but they definitely left things out. And I mean, those are choices that the you know the the, the screenplay writers and of course. Um, you know, the directors have to make. I mean, you, you can't make every Harry Potter movie three and a half hours, okay? So, what are you going to do? Uh, Hedwig, uh, the, uh, the the owl, uh, was really an instrumental character in all the movies. Always trying to help Harry with messages and, and, and try to do the right thing. So, it was a, a noble owl. And I don't really know if there's any stories out there with owls being bad. They always seem to be good in, in one instance or another. Maybe just because you look at an owl and you're like... Yeah, that dude looks wise. That, that that owl looks like it's gonna do something good. They just got that kind of a face. I don't know why. I'm, I'm sure it's probably just some stupid prejudice that we have. Just like we think pigs are stupid because they're ugly, but uh, they're intelligent. Uh, owl, owls intelligent? Hell if I know. But uh, they definitely look stately and handsome, and you know, looks like they could carry the day. And uh, they certainly will carry the message. And I really like that in, in, in Harry Potter. It's, it's really my favorite animal. And there's a lot of animals in that thing, okay? All right. Uh, if everybody remembers uh, you know, uh, Rudyard uh, Kipling's uh, The Jungle Book, and, you know, they made it into a movie as well, but uh, Ricky Tiki Tavi was always one of my favorite. I think just because I like saying the name, Ricky Tiki Tavi, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, a, 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 fun, a fun animal and, and really entertaining. And, and I, I like that in, in that type of a book because uh, even though it had a good story, in the end, the animal was, was I, I found fun and, and not so conniving. Sometimes they get carried away with making animals do all these dumb things that sometimes you have to wonder, oh, do I need the animal in the story over here if it's constantly going to do something stupid, you know? So that's that's probably why I, like, uh, I never liked Tom and Jerry as much as cartoons because all they're doing is fighting and Trying to kill each other and blah, blah, blah. It, it kind of gets old after a while. I mean, how many episodes can you see? That's all they're doing the same thing all the time. I'm going to eat you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to capture you. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's it's dumb. In the end, the mouse always wins and, and, and the cat's dumb. <laughs> you know, kind of reverse in real life. But nevertheless, uh, you know. But Tom and Jerry are not part of the show. Okay, so just sort of brought that up. Just because it kind of reminds me of that. All right. 
Now, if anyone remembers Our Animal Farm by George Orwell, it's an entire book uh, that really tells you about prejudice and, and, and racism and the inequality, but it uses all the animals in the farm. Sort of like, you know, one animal is more equal than the other. So all of those animals in, in that book are, are very entertaining and, and really a perfect backdrop for that. And I can understand uh, why uh, George Orwell did this, because it's a good it's a good way to introduce some of the heavier concepts that he's talking about, but do it through the eyes of the animals. You still get the message without having to beep out Orwell. Because it's one thing for Orwell to talk about police states and, and socialism gone wrong and you know and, and sex crimes and all this other stuff in 1984 and, and people not beat you up as much because you can always point to this is a fiction book and you know it's in some off another world and in a you know future society and blah blah blah. But um, it's another thing if, if you try to do that about, you know, prejudice, racism, and all that sort of stuff. You can't really distance yourself as much. And I think maybe in many ways he was trying to do that. Not that he was trying to distance himself from the, from the, from the message itself and, and, and its moral value. Because, you know, he was an honorable man trying to do the right thing both as a writer and as a person. One of the few writers I've ever known that were consistent with their politics instead of being complete Hollywood morons like we see on a, on a regular basis here, even during the coronavirus. You know, just morons, not really useful for anything other than the, the cry and, and not be helpful like they normally do. I can't wait for Hollywood to get back to work just to get these idiots off the, off the damn screen here. But I felt that in many ways... I think he wanted to get that message out, get it done and over with, and, and not have to have to ride a wave on that, because you know that is a much more of an impact for him, and he had to he had to deal with that. So can't blame him. Certainly a very effective tool as animals as characters talking about some of the age, uh, ancient problems that we have as as, as humans on, on this planet: prejudice, racism, discrimination, idioticness, in in a nutshell. From the days of the Bible on to now. All right. Now, there's probably five million books out there, or stories that have horses in them. Okay. Now, understand something. I'm not against horses. I'm not against animals. But I'm from New Jersey. Okay. I, I swear to God, the first time I saw a horse, I mean, other than on TV, was when I was in Central Park. I went over there to visit the zoo. Next thing you know, I see a cop on the horse. You know. Seem interesting, seem a little startling until he took a giant poop on the ground. And I'm like, really? What's what the hell is the point of this thing here? Can't you just go in a cop car or a cop motorcycle? You need to, you need a cop horse. Got me. So uh, other than seeing them, you know, as cop horses or you know, in in a zoo or something. I mean, I've never really seen very much of them. I visited uh, ironically a farm, and when I went to Germany, saw a couple, but I don't know. I know a lot of America is farming community and, and out in the Midwest and everything, so I got that, you know, um, horses are a big part of people's lives. Uh, they certainly are, uh, you know, majestic and beautiful animals. Uh, apparently, they're very expensive to maintain and, and can be a, a, a bit a bit tricky, uh, you know, if you don't take care of them properly, uh, they'd be stomping on you or something. But I'm not somebody that's been captivated by them. So uh, other than Black, Black Beauty, which I read and, of course saw the movie, you know, it's certainly a beautiful horse and a hell of a story. Uh, I've never really been a, a, a big a big horse person in, as a horse as a character, you know. But I know so much of our um, early literature and so much of a lot of the early TV shows, you know, from the 50s onward, I mean, it was horses like every other show, you know what I mean? 
I don't even know if you could have filmed Gunsmoke <laughs> without having a horse in there somewhere. They're always doing something, you know? And I, I think there's a number of other shows that, you know, the same thing. So what are you going to do? They're a big part of the Old West and certainly a, a, of a, of American values, uh, you know, and, and, you know, colonizing the West and all that. But I don't really... Um, see as much with the horses I did to other animals because they don't do a lot of talking horse type stuff I mean I know they did it on that TV show Mr. Ed but I don't see how that was really helpful there's not a lot of talking horses I mean they do a lot of interesting heroic things but it seems to be very um, non non verbal for some reason that that, that maybe because it looks weird for a horse to torque I'm not really sure but I did I did notice that but hey they have their place and I'm not messing with them. I'm just, you know, not totally into them, okay? Sorry. All right. Now, interesting here, um, and I, I always find it uh, not only unusual, but unfortunate that many people who were, uh, you know, watched the Planet of the Apes uh, movies and even the TV show, and it was even a cartoon. Lord, it was like everything. I think it was a comic book probably too. They, they never really bothered to read the, the novel by a French novelist, Pierre Boulet. They never did. And if they did, they would have noticed one, one really startling thing that wasn't in the movies that he made pretty clear in the book. I mean, it was clear in his book that Pierre was trying to tell us that in the end, the apes took over the earth because they were, it was turned over to them by God. Because of our stupidity as stewards for the planet that we sucked. So we gave another animal a chance to, to, to run things. And as you can see, didn't turn out too damn well. Because after the nuclear holocaust in the end, all we have now is apes as racist and, and, and humans as stupid idiots uh, and slaves. So um, I'm not really sure uh, that was one of the better ideas from God. Because uh, we didn't learn a whole much in that deal. But the, the movie never really talks about that. It kind of keeps it in... Uh, the prejudice slash uh, Cold War type of uh, you know mentality, and never really gets to that at all. In, in fact, in one movie, they kept using the word as the uh, no as the code word for the N word for black people. You know, so it was kind of getting more you know seventies hippie kind of thing, and not really talking about some of the spiritual dimension of, of the book and, and and where they were trying to go with that. So they really didn't kind of go. The direction I wanted them to go. But nevertheless. Uh, Zero the Ape. Incredible. Um, things that they had to say. Uh, really did understand. Um, that it's own leadership. Was, was acting stupid. And, and racist actually. And and, and of course uh, homicidal. And, and genocidal. Um, but. The Ape's uh, leadership. Uh, uh, understood that. That humans were violent. And, and it had caused so much of their own destruction. And I just don't understand why they just thought it was a good idea to, uh, you know, oppress them, use them as slaves, and, you know, be ever watchful of them. I mean, if this is who we are, and this is who you think we are, why not just, you know, send us away, do your own thing, and not worry about it anymore? That, that really was never really explained too well, you know, in the in the movies. So, there's obviously some imperfections there, but... Nevertheless, the, the talking apes were, were definitely incredible and startling. Tremendous job on the Hollywood makeup on that. And really did um, cast a, 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 a real, you know, um, I guess you could say a real, real cynical eye at, at, at humanity and the human condition. 
and of course in the end uh, the ape condition too because <laughs> uh, they got into the same spotlight too and it not working out too well that's for sure all right now animals as characters we we forget that oftentimes animals can be as characters in, in, in a lot of books and they're not exactly talking I mean they're interaction doing things but they're not talking and one of the perfect examples of this is Moby Dick I mean so many times people forget and I don't mean they forget that they don't remember there's a whale in the story because you can't forget that I mean they just forget the focus of the damn books called Moby Dick so it's about the whale it's not about the you know the weirdo captain and his crazy revenge because you know he lost his leg because he's a freaking idiot um they forget that it's almost like Frankenstein they, they forget that Frankenstein is the scientist Dr. Frankenstein not the monster, because Frankenstein's monster. He didn't really have a name, actually. So, it's the same thing. We forget that. Moby Dick is a, is a character in there. And it's definitely a character, uh, I feel, of uh, not only uh, ethical survival, but in many ways, almost like a, a, a sort of a, you know nature's revenge on this stupid captain who you figure after losing a leg, he'd learned his lesson. Now he's out there again. Now, now jeopardizing his crew's lives as well as his own, just to get this damn whale. So it's it's an incredible story, of course. Of um, of again the, the human condition. It tells you a lot about the uh, the the extent that people can go by being blind by their own um, hatred and pride, and maybe even a bit of ignorance. So it's one it's one hell of a story, and uh, I think we forget. You know how how deep and cruel, and of course, how how in many ways uh, beautiful and majestic that whale is, and you know the evil that's being perpetrated against it. All right, another one here, and this is pretty interesting too. Jaws. That's right, Jaws. Animal is a character, folks. Peter Benchley wrote this called the Jaws, just like the book. All right, and. I'm not saying anything against the movie. I thought it did a really solid job, but it never really gives you any any clue to why the shark is starting to attack people. Where the book makes it pretty damn clear the shark's doing this because it's pissed off because its its babies were killed by humans. So now it's like, I'm going to start eating people because they're killing my babies. Jaws is some crazy uh, male... Um, Shark uh, just eating people and having fun. It, it's a pissed off female protecting its young. And there's nothing worse in the wild than having a, a female creature having its young being harmed or killed. And it's coming back for you. No joke. So they never really mention that a single time in the movie. I don't know. Maybe just because it's not sexy enough. or you know. But they make it as a pure evil killing machines. And don't get me wrong. I'm not some shark defender over here. Okay. I'm not advocating for all the sharks to be destroyed. Not exactly a good thing for the ecosystem. I'm not, you know, some animal murderer, you know. But at the same point, you know, um, I'm not rooting for sharks either, okay. You know, they they do have their place, but, uh, you know, they can be dangerous too. And sometimes they have to be taken care of, you know, to keep them away from people. I mean, that's just that's just the, the reality of it all. But... Uh, apparently we we harmed it and uh, it's coming after us okay in a big way so jaws uh, animal as a character uh looking uh, to chomp down on some revenge on, on humans okay and he definitely does that um 
a really here's a one of the few horse uh, ones I really like is is the horse from the Lord of the Rings, Shadowfax. I I bring it up just because I love saying the name Shadowfax. It's such a beautiful name, beautiful white horse. Can really can really ride, um, you know, fast and and and, uh, and allow um, allow its um its its rider uh, Gandalf uh, to uh, you know, the the great wizard to uh, the white wizard now. You know, to uh, to get to the battles and, and do what it needs to do, and 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 of course, have no fear against uh, flying dragon creatures and and weirdo um, mutated elves and all that, uh, and, and still be out there. So it's powerful and brave, you know, courageous, and of course, uh, um, a hell of an example of of an animal out there um, helping mankind to get back to its its um, not only his humanity, because in the end, that's really what's happening. In Lord of the Rings, which, by the way, again, named after something bad. It's so funny how they, they, a lot of these books are named after something bad, not after something good. Lord of the Rings was, you know, Sauron, the, the, the great creature with the wire on the mountain trying to take over everybody with the one ring. It wasn't named about anything good. It's about named after something bad. So it's nice to have Shadow Facts out there trying to get humanity to help gain its own humanity against these things and try to have a, a peaceful society once again, which unfortunately it screwed up by being greedy and trying to grab a ring and, you know, and, and, and win things with it. And of course, in the end being tricked and becoming uh, slaves to a, you know, an evil force. Now, one of the things that I truly like about animals as characters is not just you know, the novelty of them talking or even hearing something clever they might have to say about humanity, which is always wonderful, especially when it when it when it's insightful or you know even just you know razor wit like. But the interesting thing I always found about it is is that sometimes the animals themselves, either through our own stereotypes or prejudice, or maybe just because of these the sort of um, I guess profile we give it sometimes they, they sort of reflect that you know what I mean like the the horse is strong and the owl is wise and the fox is sly and you know the dog can hunt and you know the cat can you know play and you know all of that I like how that can be used still even though it might be considered you know um, not as creative oh we've heard that before no you can still use that to your advantage and that's what's really great about authors using using that I mean if you think about it the black cat from Edgar Allan Poe, even though we're, we're hearing about, you know, the detective asking questions and the guy into his weird guilt and, and mental madness over there, spurting this and spurting that, the black cat is the damn character of the story because in the end it gives up that guy as the murderer of the neighbor, you know? And you think about it, he kind of went counter to that because... Cats are considered, you know, hunters, and yes, they're considered um, predators, and they're even considered playful, but no one really thinks about cats as, you know, a nork, <laughs> a cat says the stool pigeon, or, you know, cats as the, you know, the, um, the snitch. It's not really attributed to them throughout history or throughout any of the books. So Poe really went different on, on, on that, making the cat the, um, you know the the snitch. I'm not really sure why. I don't know. Maybe just because, you know, he lived a lot in the in these cabins and in houses and there were the place. And maybe that was the animal he had or, or saw a lot more. You know, his wasn't that rural. So, 
Yeah, maybe he just couldn't pick anything else. And, and quite frankly, I don't really think um, you could have picked a dog in that situation. They're just too damn blindly loyal and, and in many instances kind of dumb, you know, being obedient that way. I guess maybe a cat is a good way to pick it because it's so damn independent. They're like, yeah, this guy's a damn murderer. Get him the hell out of here. I'm tired of looking at him. He's a damn weirdo. So maybe it is a good way if you think about it to have that cat as the narc. <laughs> yeah, I got even saying that. It's so funny. It really is. Now, as you imagine, there's a lot of, not just in literature, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of cartoon movies that, that have had all kinds. I mean, Disney has made an entire history franchise on it. You know what I mean? From, um, from Bambi, which I know was a book as well. So, you know, Bambi, uh, you know, loses its mother and, you know, through the fire of the forest and everything. That's definitely sad. And, you know, you certainly learn something about, you know, careless fires and, you know, all that. Uh, we, we know about uh, Yogi the Bear, the cartoon, and, you know, him him in, in the forest and, you know, teaching other animals things. Um, of course, there's so many other animals from, from Disney. Um, I think there's Dumbo, the, you know, the flying elephant with the big ears. Although, I don't know if that's the best word for it. You know, for the animal, Dumbo. I don't know why they ever came up with that. It just, you know, kind of sounds negative in my opinion. But hey. I don't, um. Dr. Seuss, of course, one of my uh, more favorite books. I grew up with The Cat in the Hat. You know, there's a cat. There's a cat one right there, of course. Uh, a lot of people like Garfield. I mean, I used to read the, car- the comic strip when I was little, you know, and, uh. But I always usually wrote for Normal and his cousin because he was always getting in trouble more than uh, more than uh, than Garfield. But uh, he, of course, he always had something wise and and, and smart allegory to say, kind of like you would expect from one of these uh, these wacky type cats. So cats are really popular, no doubt, in in many of the literature or cartoons or even cartoon strips. Of course, an, another famous one from Charles Schultz, uh, Snoopy. You know, we uh, we have all all kids in there, but then of course we have Snoopy that. Uh, you know that that wacky dog over there sleeping on the on top of the, you know the um the doghouse instead of uh, inside of it, which I always thought was a sort of a rebellious streak, and, and and interesting because again you don't think of dogs as as rebels, you think of cats as rebels, so that that definitely made it interesting. Although that was such a that was such an, an adult adventure, even though it was supposed to be um you know kids can get into it, but you know it really was a very adult uh, adventure. You know, in, in, in my opinion, and, and, and definitely a, a, a real a real classic. I mean, you always like Snoopy. It's kind of hard to, to not like Snoopy, you know? It really is. We don't have as many uh, snakes as, as characters doing things. Maybe just because people always attributing snakes to being just bad creatures, period. You know, remember from Aesop's Fables, which is, has a lots of animals doing things. You know, we got the snake... You know, eventually um, killing the frog after it convinces the frog to jump on the lily pad. And, you know, the, the frog wants to know why he betrayed him. And he's like, I'm a damn snake. What do you expect? You know, I'm paraphrasing. You know, I didn't say damn in there. But again, uh, there's Aesop's using those um, those those stereotypes or those uh, those nature profiles of animals, you know, to his advantage. And there's plenty of them in Aesop's fables. But there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, real real proverbs and real wisdom in in, in that book. And. Hard, hard to ignore that, no doubt. Uh, of course, I remember animals as characters. Sometimes just in commercials, you know. What I mean, I remember, you know, um, looking at um, 
uh, Morris the Cat from the from the Preener uh, commercials, and and of course I do remember. Um, um, what was that name of that that animal I used to see all the time? Uh, it, it it'll come to me. But Morris lived a long time and, and did a lot of commercials. Always liked Morris. Uh, we always had the Tiger Tony the Tiger for the Frosted Flakes, so that was always popular with me. That was like my favorite cereal. You know, even though I like hot chocolate because I like, you know, turning the, the cereal into chocolate milk with the milk. That was always fun. But, you know, stupid cow chocolate, who cares? You know, I, I like the animals better. So, you know, Tony the Tiger, always my kind of thing. Now I hear that there's a tiger that has the coronavirus. So, I mean, come on, people, huh? Can we stop this? What's next, huh? Frog's going to have corona? It's getting it's getting, uh, getting a little wacky over here, all right? Um, as you remember, um, dealing with a lot of Sesame Street, they had a lot of animals. So we had Kermit the Frog, um, kind of a dopey guy, um, being kind of dopey. Um, I don't know why he's in love with the pig, Mrs. Piggy. You got me. I can't really picture that on any biological or any other level. Got me. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But that's what they did on that show. <laughs> Makes no sense to me. I know. Uh, the grouch in there... Um, in the garbage can doing grouchy things. Okay, I got that. And uh, uh, then the Cookie Monster. I'm all right. That was probably that was probably me. There's a metaphor for me because that was definitely me eating cookies everywhere as possible, even to this day. <laughs> That's no no joke there. But um, and then if anybody remembers, uh, now that I've raised kids uh, over the last uh, you know ten years or so, you know they had this um. These uh these little these little wonder pets that are running around uh, trying to rescue things you know the hamster over there doing doing brave things, so I kind of like that as well. It's good to see animals out there still doing things, and and people still use them to a great effect. Uh, quite finally with those Ninja Turtles, uh, I mean love the fact they're all named after you know uh, Italian uh, Renaissance uh, art masters you know, but they're basically giant turtles uh, eating pizza. I'm not really sure the connection between the turtles and the pizza. I know they're supposed to be teenage, but, you know, if you know anything about turtles, uh, they don't eat pizza ever, okay? I mean, it's hard enough to get them to eat the damn bugs they're supposed to be eating, let alone pizza. But definitely fun to see those things out there, and um, I kind of like those uh, those crazy little uh, turtles running around doing things. So they're kind of fun. And I'm glad that we're still using animals as characters. Uh, nothing wrong with uh, doing some crime fighting with, with giant mutant, mutants. Because that's really what they are. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a mouthful, I know. So, animals as characters. Excellent voices uh, to, to get some of our, our, our better remember, our better angels out there. Maybe even some of our darker demons out there. To get across our proverbs and wisdom, to get across some of our fears, maybe to spotlight certain things, uh, you know, in humanity that needs to be revealed or talked about, but it's harder to do from a human character because of the judgment or maybe the turning off, or, or maybe just because we're not willing to listen to a human say something bad about humanity, but we were willing to listen to a house or a ghost or an animal. That's why I like the, the serious particular instruments. It lets you see some of those other angles about writing that we don't normally, you know, hear about from these other shows that, you know, they want to talk about. Um, you know, I, I, I find things that, that are less, less interesting. These are the things that help inspire us, especially in the times we live in right now. You know, dark times and scary times, but times that, that's going to, I think, in the end, bring a lot of creativity to our lives and a lot of inspiration. I'm looking forward to the writing we do. 
you know, during and after this this crisis, because it's not going to last forever. We're going to get through it all together, and then maybe we'll also have our own animals to write about in, 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 as characters. I'm looking forward to doing something myself one day, just to be able to do it once. I, I mean, I, I talk about this, but I have yet to really do it myself, so I'm definitely looking forward to it. All right, folks, until next time, God bless. Strength to be human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by purchasing an ebook at Soma Publishing, www.somapublishing.com.